Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Joel. Yes, replacing the uh, the infallible Jake Solberg, who is on vacation. One can never truly replace Jake. I mean, I'm, I'm smaller than him. Literally, I'm not as wide. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's down driving in, uh, in an Audi R8 V10 in, in Florida. Yeah, it's rough. Wow. It's I rough. saw him with the convertible with the wind in his hair. He's got the manual transmission, the gated manual transmission. Yeah, I don't know if I could handle that car. That might be a little too much for me. Have you driven one of those? Uh, I've not driven. I've driven a V10 current gen, but it was with the. It wasn't with. It was the automatic transmission. It wasn't the. How was it? What was it like? I got it sideways. Did you? Yeah. Even with fun. the Quattro, you can get that thing sideways. They let you. They allow it. It was a very tight hairpin. We were. Uh, it doesn't really matter where we were. It was. It was Mexico. It was. It was Mexico. <laughs> uh, it was a tight hairpin, and I went into it with a lot of speed, and then I. I let off the throttle and the engine's behind you, right? And you and then you turn and yeah. as, as soon as I, you could feel it shift. And once the weight shifted, you counter steer and you mash it, and it was it was great. You know, there's this really good commercial, and you've probably seen it where um, there's an Audi R8 on a dyno. And I don't know if you've seen it. If not, we'll have to maybe we can pause and look it up. But there's an Audi R8 on a dyno, and mm-hmm. the camera slowly pans, pans up, and then it's the car on the dyno, and it's one of the best car commercials. Ever. Now this is this is basically an Audi R8 V10. Uh, it's in a white room. It's a white car. It's very Audi esque because it's there's no it's colors. Silver car. What's that? It's a silver car. It, is it silver? I thought it was white. I think it's, it's white. Silver. We're gonna call it white. It's silver. It's you just showed it to me. It's white. Are you colorblind? I might be. I don't know. But <laughs> here's silver. here's here's the commercial, and you can listen to it, and it's all you need. You can just imagine the rest of it yourself. It's the car. It's a white Audi R8 on the dyno with open headers. So that's a, that's a, that's a first gen refreshed car, right? And I the car I did then it was a second gen, the current gen. You did this in this. No, it obviously no, the, doesn't no, sound the, quite the, like this. The, but the, the the car I did the sideways around a corner that was that was Ooh, that little three years ago. The there. So what kind of one of the reasons why I wanted to play this is because we've this week or maybe it was a week and a half ago has been announced that they're not going to be doing any more combustion engine development. Yeah, and it was interesting to see this make the news, and you'll note we didn't cover this, and there's a reason for this, by the way, is because Why? it's not new news. Uh, it's amazing what people will write as new news. Uh, and the reason— Must like, be a slow news day. Yeah. Uh, well, and, and the reality is that these automakers say these things over and over again over the years, right? And so people will pick them up, maybe they don't remember it or whatever, but like if you go back on my story two or three years ago, that they already announced that the 4-liter V8 that they're using today, the twin turbo, yep. which is not this engine, obviously. This is a V10 from Lamborghini. Uh, they already announced that that was going to be the last clean sheet engine that they develop. They already announced that years ago. So by clean sheet, you mean fresh Ground R&D. up new engine. Basically, all of VW's, uh, all, all of Audi's engines going forward that are combustion engines, 
will be iterations, derivatives, updates, modified versions of today's engines. Because None of they've them will basically be taken the billions and they're, they've put it elsewhere. It's electric cars. Yeah. Yep. So I actually have a clip of the, uh, the e-tron. Let me play it for you. <laughs> okay, just for the record, it doesn't sound like that. I've, ju- I've, I've driven the e-tron SUV, and while I haven't driven the e-tron uh, GT, uh, the, the, the rebuy Taycan, uh, I've driven a, the, the full-size SUV. Yeah, they e-tron. make noise. They make, they make noise. Yeah, they make little gravelly noises and stuff like that. Well, it, the, the electric motors make noise, too. They whine. They have to. Right. Yeah. So, so while Jake is gone, I wanted to have a little bit of a chat with you um, about AMG. And I got into an argument with Jake because I sent, Shocking. Him, <laughs> I sent him pictures of, you know, I've been looking at cars, right? There's Correct. cars I wanted to buy. And um, I actually went and looked at the other day. I looked at a C43 AMG. With the 55 engine. We talked on Instagram. Yeah. Anyone that follows E55 Chris. AMG. And this thing had headers, chip, uh, I watched the video intake. of it spinning in gear. It was spinning at like 60, 70 miles an hour. It was so fast. Wild. I mean, it was absolutely blindingly fast. But it kind of felt like going back and dating your old girlfriend. Like, it's kind of fun at first, but then you imagine it getting kind of the reason why you broke up with her to begin with, right? I've never done that, going to be honest. <laughs> well, <laughs> any, any guy that's dated a few girls will understand that, hey, it's just, it's great. You know, the sex is wonderful, but then eventually the personality comes back in and you start fighting again. Oh, right. That's and then why we broke up. up. Yeah, that's why yeah. we broke up. And the C43 AMG was great, but you couldn't turn the traction control off. Right. You know, so I was thinking while I'm driving this thing, I'm like, how great would this th- thing be if it was just 11s down the road at 50 miles an hour? Just like these black lines. But you can't. It has an open differential. Yep. It has trash control that you can't turn off. Right. And I'd already been there. So that car was kind of a wash. I kind of wiped that one off my mind. I never even got an amount that I was supposed to, to get for he it. He didn't come back to you? He never came back to me wow. with an amount. So He clearly didn't want to sell that car. Well, he does want to sell the car. Not enough to give you an amount? Apparently not. So the thing was... Just it wasn't for me. I, I drove it. It didn't feel special. Right. I want to experience something new. You know, I'm all about exploring experiences. Blah blah blah. Chris can't commit. I no, I I can't. I can't. Well, I committed to one. I've committed to two ladies: my car, my wife, my 911, and my wife. There's been two reasonably solid commitments there. Haven't gotten rid of me yet. I haven't gotten rid of you yet. So then I was like kind of clicking around the internet, and I told Jake I wasn't going to get this thing, and he didn't really have much of a reaction. And then I sent him. And to be clear, I do not want this car. I just thought it was something. Hey, check this thing out. It's kind of cool. cool. It is a, uh, it was like a 2005 S55 AMG with only 40,000 miles on it. Cool In car. white with gray interior. Oh, you'd be right up in there in Florida. It's awesome. The thing was crazy. I loved it. Otherwise, they're all, bl- I don't want a black one. Yep. I don't want a bronze one. Yep. That's for sure. And I think it's white, bronze, silver, or black. Basically. I think that's. They made a few red. They made a few green. But wow, made- I've never seen a red one. That would be pretty. That would be yeah, pretty yeah, sweet. Yeah. That would be pretty Cherry sweet. Red. Anyway, I don't want one. But I was like, hey, check out this car. It's My- cool. This this thing does 190 miles an hour. It's it's, got, it's huge. It's it's monstrous. It's like 14 feet long. It's just the the engineering. Uh, I think it was J- Jeremy Clarkson that said, uh, well, first of all, he always says this is when I think of AMG. I always think of uh, Clarkson saying this. Because <laughs> that's what it's all about with an AMG, right? right, right, just, right. It's power. It's burning the tires off. And you can do that. Especially back then. They were not about handling back then. No, no. It was just, let's let's shred tires. Right. That's it. Let's take yep. this luxury thing. Let's put a hand-built giant motor on Hammer it. Hammer time. And shred. And that was what, and to me, that's not boring. That's pretty cool. It's fun. So then they put that engine, the S55 engine, I think it's 390 horsepower mm-hmm. or something like that. Zero to 60 in 6.2 seconds in a car that weighs well over 4,000 pounds. 
very cool to me hand-built engine uh, all kinds of crazy engine uh, ingenuity on this car like it would you know if it would sense like wind and stuff like that when you're moving it would sense if there was, it was wind. it was tech technologically advanced at the time it was technologically advanced at the time his response that's a lot of money for a bland sedan with a bland interior that was it that was his response and i said well at least it doesn't have a uh, yellow seat belts right and then he goes uh, he literally goes a yaris is more exciting other things he said, that is a generic car. That is a vanilla, a vanilla meh mobile. Good thing that interior won't exacerbate your gout and arthritis. And of course, I call, immediately called him out on his Macan, which is the most ambiguous car ever. There's millions of Macans all over the place. It's a cool car. It's a good car, but it is not special in any way. He also has a 996 way. that's leaking out the front end. That's <laughs> true. His 96 is very cool, but his daily driver, which is what this would be for me, this would be a, a cool car. S55 AMG is a cool car. Macan, yep. as a daily driver, it's not cool. It is a good car, but it is not cool. It's all over Starbucks. It, it will never be cool. It's got too many cup holders. It's just not cool. It's, <laughs> what's the what's the? It's a four-cylinder turbo in the base model, yep. and then which is already super lame. And then you've got the 3.6-liter twin turbo, which is what Jake has, I believe. It's a pretty cool. Is it 3.2, 3.6? Three, 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 3.9. 3 something. Three, Whatever. Some amount of three liters with yep. twin turbos. It's kind of cool. Um, I basically told him that he had drove a hot hatch egg. <laughs> Thank you. It is a hot hatch, isn't it? Ooh. And that was that was only that was only kind of an inside joke on us making fun of you for which we did last week, calling it a hot hatch, which it is which it is Technically not. Technically wasn't my byline. That's true, it was not. Um, I just basically said there's no way. Going 150 miles an hour in dead silence in pure luxury isn't special. You should also note that a CL, which is the coupe version, set a cannonball record. It's there. How is it just okay? So then it, it, uh, he says he didn't want it to overpower my hearing aids. So, I mean, he's just he's all over the grandpa car thing. And I finally just said, don't forget to pick up your groceries and your pecan is it, is on the it, way is home. Is he currently from, vacationing in Florida? Is he wearing Florida. a velvet tracksuit? <laughs> he's probably checking out retirement homes he's right got now. Got his gold chain going, huh? <laughs> And then he made a huge mistake. He said, Mercedes has always just been a German Cadillac. Dude, there's so many epic Mercedes. 300 SL, the Red Pig, uh, the Hammer. What is he the 500E. on? 500 E. The straight six that was in that 300 SL that won all those races. Is he on drugs? How many times has Cadillac won the Paris Dakar? How many times Ooh. have they won Formula they One? They make a G-Class. They make the G-Class. It's just, it's not... So let's let's go beyond the. Well, obviously, he's wrong. What, Clearly, what do you think? Uh, the main difference for me is um, here's how I here's how I picture the main core difference. Cadillac's luxury is built on the foundation of muscle or more standard cars, right? They take stuff that Chevy made, and this wasn't all. This isn't necessarily the case now, but for many many years, they would just take you know chassis from different cars. That was or like trucks. the middle years. That was the early years. It's not the today years. That was that was that middle eighties. When, when you think. Cadillac, you think, okay, that is a Chevy. That was a, our childhood. Right. Yes. You think it's a Chevy with, with pillows in it, right? I mean, that was our childhood, yeah. Yeah, and so you think that is a grandpa car. Right. And he's comparing that wait, wait, to what, Mercedes. What's the low-end Mercedes? What is that built off of? It's a Mercedes. It is, it's a Mercedes. It's a Mercedes. If anything is the Cadillac of German cars, it's an Audi, which is a built-up version of a Volkswagen. So that's... It's not. It's not precise. I grew up in an Audi household. It's. I know. It's not precise. But if you're going it's to make a, more a comparison, applicable comparison, right? So I just. What are your thoughts on the differences between Cadillac and and Mercedes? Jake's dumb. 
I tell my kids not to copy themselves wrong. <laughs> but let's get like, in deeper I mean, look, than that. Look, a Mercedes, I mean, Mercedes has got racing heritage that Cadillac never has, first off. Like, just straight up Well, the people will say, well, they've won Sebring. They've won Daytona. Yeah, I'm talking, like, they've raced at Le Mans. They've Endurance like, like, racing, I, yeah. I'm talking, like, I mean, I don't want to say the racing you just talked about is not real racing because it's, it's real it racing. It totally right? is. But like, but American racing and European racing are just completely so different. different. They so are different. completely different. And the heritage of racing, right, and motorsports. And and the reality is is that you look at AMG, you look at the legendary cars, right, the G-Class with the military and, and, and everything. You look at the, the Red Pig. You look at the Hammer. You look at the – and these are all cars I obviously noted earlier before when I was losing my – 190 E16 valve. Uh, just, just, Evo. Senna driving that yeah. car. Like – you never found that with a Cadillac. That is not like a Cadillac was presidential limousines. My grandfather drove one. Well, the Mercedes are presidential limousines too. Every I, I, president that's fair, that's in fair. Europe and every that's like fair. Uh, but guy who's going to conquer yeah, another country. Mercedes drives made the W one twenty six, which is basically the legendary standard of the world. Like th- right. there will never be, which is ironic. I said that because Cadillac was the standard of the world, right? But like the W one twenty six was the standard S class. Like to me, it might. I had one. I've had one of those. The new S class is coming out right now. No S class will ever and has ever held to the standard of a W126 in my book. W140? They spent a billion dollars developing that car. That car? W140, now we're talking early 90s S class. You know, so that was up to 126 for for whatever one. So that car, did you know that that was a rush response to the LS, the, the LS Lexus that came out? Did you know that? Uh, I did not. They pulled the timeline up on that, and they dumped a ton of money, like you just noted, trying to come after and compete with the LS. That's what that that was a response to the LS. And they had so many issues. They one of the reasons. So I was, it's it's totally not ecologically friendly to put like a V12 in a car, right? No. And back then, so what they tried to do is they said, "Oh well, we're very very conscious of how we make it. We use biodegradable wiring harnesses <laughs> and water based paint." And we made it really, really ugly. So that's the real problem with the W140 for me is it is ugly. See, and it's funny. I used to think that, and I think as it's aged, aged better than I thought it would. Mm. But the point, but the, but the point I'm trying to make here is the W126 is the pinnacle in my book. Like as as a luxury sedan. Would you like a 300 SDL? So because <laughs> there's one for sale. My, was trying my to- grandfather, my grandfather, my dad's dad had a 1991. 350 SDL, so the 3.5, yep. turbo diesel, long wheelbase, sapphire blue on navy blue. Shocking for a Fetter, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and that was his car. It was his daily driver, turbo diesel. And he owned farmland. And he, he would drive it into the fields. And I would just watch <laughs> into the, as he drove into the fields, just cringing as he would do this. And I'm like, you're killing me. Like They're worth a ton of money now. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's a ivory or a... A light ivory or off-white ivory one. 300 SDL? S 300 SDL. It's sitting in a gas station near here, actually. What's and three interior? different people have sent me pictures of it. <laughs> What's the, in the phone number. It's brown. How many miles? Uh, 150,000 miles. See, the problem with that is, is that the three liter, the three liter was a dog compared to the three five. I think it's the actually the reverse. Faster. I think it's the reverse. The smaller displacement one makes 150 horsepower but and 190 th- pound feet of torque. The three five... Uh, it was quicker. It was it was a reasonably it was it moved. Uh-huh. I remember one, once the turbo. Hang on, once the, once turbo, the turbo kicked. So I, I it was always once the turbo. One other thing is that you have to give credence to the company that built one of the most reliable engines ever made. Right, the three hundred diesel turbo diesel. Right, it, it just you can. They also kill built that. the six point nine. Yes, 
I mean, I remember seeing one. Baby of those Johnson in the, owned one. <laughs> I remember seeing one in the junkyard, <sighs> being like, "Holy, sh look at this thing! This is awesome!" Obviously, there's nothing you can do with it because it serves no purpose right. whatsoever. Did you? Did Davy Johnson wrote an article once? He was driving it. I'm wearing Davy Johnson's uh, golden helmet shirt. That's why I said that. Um, he used to work right for Car and Driver, and he died a couple years ago. Um, he. Uh, <laughs> He, he, he had a 6.9. He did an article. He drove, drove it once. And I, I think it was him that said, there might be there might be a hole in the gas tank. What? Because <laughs> it, it drank gas so fast. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that, that 6.9 drank gas so fast. But. Sorry, I'm taking a picture of Federer right now if anybody wonders what's going on. <laughs> All right. Well, so Jake is dumb, right? Jake's I mean, dumb. We can, we can move on. on. We can move on from that. I just want to remind everybody that the news episodes are brought to you by our Patreons. Could not do any of this without you. You guys definitely pay the rent over here. It's $5 a month, $10 a month, $20 a month. But for just five, you get ex access to our exclusive content library, which has a bunch of unreleased Skunk Works episodes, Area 51 stuff, history of headlights, garbage trucks. I mean, there's like, I think there's got to be like 15 or 15 or 20 exclusive episodes on there now. Plus, you get to feel good about yourself, support the show. Head over to patreon.com slash overcrest. We would really appreciate it. It's super easy. I promise. All right, let's get into a little bit of news, shall we? So I brought this up to Chris earlier in the week. Because yes. Chris said, hey, Jake's out of town. Can you come talk with me? And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> so U.S. Senators, uh, California, aren't, is it California? There's, there's two of them. Yeah, yep, they're pressuring Joe Biden to set an end date. Technically, for they're pressuring the Biden administration. Yes, the Biden administration. Let's be clear. Yes, yes, because Biden's probably not answering the phone anymore. Uh, to set an end date for gas-powered car sales in the U.S. In the U.S., which is a reaction to many other countries, correct? Many other administrations saying, correct. "Yeah, we're going to go ahead and do this." Twenty thirty, twenty thirty-five, whatever. Yep. In an unreported letter, I don't know what unreported means. In, a, in 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 an unshared letter that was being so this all happened on Monday for the timeline for people. Sure. Uh, and and it was it was being reported by Reuters on Monday morning, and basically it was. Uh, on, it was not shared letter. So it was basically uh -huh. reported to Reuters that it was going to be given to the Biden administration on Monday. All right. Democratic Senators Alex Padilla and Dianne Feinstein called on Biden to follow California's lead and set a date by which all new cars and passenger trucks should be zero emission vehicles. They also urged Biden to restore California's authority to set clean car standards, which is something that Trump kind of put an end to Correct. during his administration. In September, California Governor Gavin Newsom signed an executive order directing the state's Air Resources Agency. Isn't that the Air Resource Board? CARB? Yeah, CARB. Oh, they're, they're wrong here. To require all new cars and passenger trucks sold in California to be zero emissions by 2035. Quote, we believe the national baseline should, at an absolute minimum, be built around the technical lead set by companies that voluntarily advance their agreements with California. California and other states need a strong federal partner. Basically, they're saying, hey, we're California. We're real big. We're going to throw our weight around because other states can't hope to compete with us on this, which is something that the California Air Resources Board did for decades, right? They say, this is what it's going to be. And then all the other manufacturers are like, well, we're not going to make two separate versions of these cars. So we'll just comply with California and you get what you get. So, well, car carb has definitely been the leader in the nation of gaming. So hang on. LA specifically in California has a air quality issue, right? And yes. so California as a whole, because of LA, has definitely been leading the country in trying to set clean air standards on emissions and vehicles. So what you're saying is one city Correct. is dictating the An policy. An overpopulated city, yes. Is dictating the policy for the entire country. State. State. 
And well, really, hang on, the- hang on, let me finish. And there are 14 states, last I checked, so don't quote me on that number, 14 that basically adopted CARB's rules and were taking CARB's lead. So 14. And then, of course, the, like you noted, the Trump administration came and just kind of said, no, we're not going to do that. that. And then they shook it up, and yeah, now yeah, we're going yeah. back and forth. But and yes, pro- and you were cor- so you're correct that, 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 that 14 states were following California. There's no mandate. No one had to follow California. Right. California is basically saying, look, we have a problem. We need to address this problem. And... Kicking people out of LA isn't going to work. So we, if there's going to be this many people in LA driving, we got to figure out how to do this. Otherwise, people we're going to choke just, everyone out. They're just leaving on their own. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it's expensive too. But yeah. anyway, so anyway, go, you have a question. Go ahead. Yeah. Why does Biden need to do anything? It seems like largely a symbolic gesture considering California has the United States largest economy. Uh, whatever they do, everybody's just kind of do anyway. So what is it that they're trying to accomplish by strong arming the Biden administration into an official stance? I think... This is my personal opinion, right? I think what is, it's, look, like you said, Newsom, Gavin Newsom, governor, uh, set set a goal date of 2035, right? And if you pay attention, a lot of these automakers are setting their goal dates to transition to full electric or mostly electric or electrified or what, pick the term for different automakers, right? By 2030 or 2035, those two dates seem to be about the time. Volvo's going to be 2030, yep. GM's 2035, whatever, et cetera. And so I think what's happening here is you're going to see that California, it's not necessarily an all or nothing thing. It's one of those things of like, I'm pushing this right, so it's now on the radar, and so now something's got to happen and something's going to move. Whether it actually happens or not, it's more like, it's, it's poking, right? It's right. trying to poke and well, get something Well, the thing is, is that it's more like, everybody else has already done this. You, Other UK countries are already doing this. this. They just want people to go, oh, we, we agree with you. Yes, yes, we're special too. We agree that the environment is dying. We need to do something. We just, they don't want to feel left behind. They, I think this is, it's going to happen anyway. So it's it, totally all of this happen. is completely unnecessary. So therefore, in my mind, it's just kind of like virtue signaling a little bit. You just kind of like Someone, waving your so, arms around on, in the so, air. So hang on, hang on, hang on. If Texas, I'm picking, I'm just picking Texas because it's like the, the opposite, right? You know, guns and oil and freedom. Sure. So, but if Texas, <laughs> if Texas had said, Instead of California, Biden administration, we need to set a date where we're going to go electric, or we need to set it to zero emissions or whatever because we have a, we have an emissions problem. Just, just again, this is a different world, right? Sure. Would you have the same feeling if it wasn't California? Pick any other state, really, but I just pick Texas because it's like the opposite. I think it's a it's a false choice because no other state would do this. No other the, the reason that they're but doing this, but other countries is, are doing this. I know, but other countries are so are very, very progressive. Europe is very progressive. Very, Parts very of America are very progressive. That's true, but California is the largest population. They take the lead. It's like having the it's like having the big guy in the room. Everybody's just kind of with the big ideas. Everybody's going to kind of just do whatever that guy does. And everybody kind of looks to California. But only 14 states did it. We have a lot more than 14 it, states. It doesn't it's matter. Half. They're the, the biggest population center in the country. They have the largest economy in the country. They have the most representatives in the hey, House of Representatives. Wait a minute, big guy. Are you sure they have a larger economy than New York? I'm pretty sure they do because they have agriculture, they have food, they have livestock. But speaking have- of no, 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 you're, you're talking about. Hang on, you're talking about diversification right now. New York doesn't New York have the most monetary largest economy as far as monetary economy? I could be I, I, wrong, by the way. Okay, we'll call it. Let's say number two. Okay, or a top, uh, top number two. one. Okay, yeah, GDP per capita number one. California seventy nine thousand. Texas sixty thousand. That's well. Oh, that's, Texas that's, was number two. Come on. No and then New York is number three. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's GDP per capita. That's not necessarily yeah. a anyway. Anyway, um, yeah, I'm just California saying is definitely dictating. But I mean, like, what you're saying it doesn't really work. It doesn't really make sense. This is what is happening. Is they're a very progressive state. Yep. The other progressive, none. I guarantee you, uh, North Dakota 
and South Dakota and Montana aren't following suit with what California is doing. Texas probably isn't doing it. It's just kind of this thing where it's like, oh, well, we just, this is going to happen anyway. So let's just put our arm up. It's going to happen. I know. So let's just, you know, here's what I think it is. And the manufacturers are okay with all this. And the reason that they're okay with it, because they need predictability. They need a roadmap of where they're going to be by 2020, 35. They like it. They like the, the solid of a solid law put down so they can go, okay, now our development team can, you know, start developing two years, three years, five years, 10 years down the road. And we're not going to be screwed. Like a lot of, you have to think that maybe five years ago, nobody's plans were what they are now. Right. I don't think Volkswagen was about ready to put Volkswagen's going through diesel. <laughs> whatever. Or, Great choice. I don't think anybody was planning to put $60 billion into EV. You know, I don't think it was like now was. we'd have, what's that? I think Tesla was. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's probably true. All right, so what are the implications of this? Where were we is this is this kind of the do you see this as the final nail in the coffin for guys that, you know, like things that make noise like that Audi think, we listened think, to earlier? I think that the the, the look, the sh- anyone that's listening right now and and I'm just speaking truth. So, I mean, you can hate me or love me, but this is the reality, the reality. Don't worry, people have been saying uh, I hate you for saying. I've been saying it for 3 years. I know. The electric car, the electric car is the future. Like that is the future. It's going to be, and, and I was actually just talking to my wife about this the other day as we were driving down the road. The shift to electric is going to come, and it's going to happen a lot faster than I think people realize, and here's why. A, the biggest downsides to electric cars today are they're heavy because batteries are heavy, mm-hmm. right? And so you can make a car really fast, but it is harder to make an electric car handle well because mass inertia it's science right so right. well making, you're talking from a pure enthusiast point i am talking from a pure yeah. because you're an enthusiast right the general consumer for, hang on okay fine we'll go to the general consumer first and then we'll go to because the, that's what really matters the general consumer we don't matter Joel. the general consumer in every capacity in an electric car is better and here's why they're nicer to drive they have instant torque they are better to lay out better laid out they're better to pack packaging, so they're, 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 you know you don't package around transmission tunnel and an engine and all that stuff, right? They can be safer because of this different packaging, and more importantly, you're talking about the concept of an electric car, and, and not anything on, in particular. Hang on, hang on. There's the cost of ownership. There's no belt changes. There's no oil changes. You're not going to dealerships. You rotate your tires, maybe. You have to charge your car. It's going to be the you're death gonna, of the dealership, and, honestly. And, and now, well, I'm not 100% convinced on that. I think it'll be the death of stupid dealerships, and we can get to that, too. But but here's the thing. Normal people don't want to go get their brakes, new brakes and new tire oil changes and all this stuff, right? They, it's a hassle to normal people. Oh, it sucks. It's awful. To normal even, people. Even for a daily driver like the Alltrack, I need to get new tires, and I'm just like, well, hang on, I don't want to get still new tires. New tires on electric cars. That, they're not going to just no, something. I'm just saying, tires. just in terms of maintenance, nobody your likes maintenance going, is going to go oh. down to next to zero. Right, right. So you're going to have no maintenance. So not only do you have this, the time of maintenance, the cost of maintenance disappears. You go home, you plug in. Normal people drive on average left less than forty miles a day. Mm-hmm. Normal people, the yeah, general but consumer, they, they they perceive that they drive more. So hang on, but the, but but you have any idea how many electric cars are going to have three hundred miles of range in the oh, next six, six months to oh, two yeah, months, uh, six to six months to two years? We're finally to the point where I think in the next few years people are going to go into the go into the store, the car store, <laughs> go into the car, <laughs> the car target. <laughs> they're going to go into the car store, or they're going to look online and, and car shop, and they're go they're going to go. Ooh, that looks cool. They're going no, it's not even going to be that. It's going to be. Wow, it fin- this makes more sense. Because that's, that's what it really comes down to, is it has to be, it's not because it's cool, it's not because it's chic or unique it or anything. Sense. It's because 
it makes more sense. And the, the, the how this all happens is more important than the why. And I think the how is the most important thing because you have to somehow, as manufacturers and as a government entity who wants all this to happen, you have to make gasoline and, co- and combustion engines untenable. You have to make it where you don't want to drive them or can't drive them. See, and, I, and I'm not 100% sure. I, I, I agree with you on that a couple months ago. I'm not sure I agree with that anymore. I don't think you need to price gasoline out of astronomical levels or anything like that. I think it literally comes down to what we just talked about. No normal consumer wants to go get their oil changed. No normal consumer wants to spend money on maintenance. No normal consumer but wants it's to such say, a norm, my car is going to die in 100,000 no- miles. It's a norm. It's a it norm. Is, so but that, guess what? All that but stuff we have a new generation of drivers coming, though. But this is all baked into the cake. And those aren't the people that are affording these cars anyway right now. They're all too young. So we're, you're talking 10, 15 years. I'm talking okay, right on. now. So, my, my na- so hang on. I was talking to my neighbor the other day. I don't know this person, by the way. They live around the corner from me. And I was bringing some neighbor's dog back. And I, but, but this dude's got like a 67 Corvette, right? And I can hear it start up. And I know this dude because I, so I watched this car. It's so cool. Not a split window, by the way. Anyway, so maybe he's not 67. I don't know. 60, 60-something. 60 <laughs> anyway, it's red. Ooh, it's so good. I want to drive it. Uh, and, but his daily driver is a Civic, and his wife's daily driver is a CRV. But the guy likes cars, yeah. right? But that's his Corvette's his car, and the other two are transportation. Yeah. And he says to me, because he, he says, you get a new car every week. I, I, I see. And I, and I said, yeah. He said, what do you do for a living? It's always a question. And <laughs> yeah. I told him I do, and he said, I need to replace that Civic. And I said, yeah. He's cool. He said, I think I'm going to go to an electric car. And I said, oh, yeah? Why is that? Dude has a 60-something Corvette. Mm-hmm. Loves cars. Corvette's my toy. I just need to get it from A to B, and they're quiet, they're efficient, and they're low-maintenance. And I, and, and I was like, hey, Joe Consumer, that's what's going like to, like, right we're there, right? right? To, we're right to that We're, we're right there, and, th- and that yeah. guy's, like, 60-something years old. Right. Like, I think a lot of people that maintenance and stuff is kind of baked into the cake with a new car buying experience. Yeah, but what happens if you bought used th- cars, but it's But what happens if you bought, hang on, if you go into a dealership and you're going to spend $38,000 on a car, mm. or you spend $38,000 on another car. And one of these cars, you literally just go home, you plug in, you never have to go to a gas station again, you get your work and whatever, you buy new tires every once in a while, and that's it. The other car, yeah, you're going to awesome. go to the gas station, you're going to have to go to Tires or uh, t- tires X or whatever, and they're going to say, oh, Chris, sir, I got under there, and I saw all these things under there, we yeah, got to do yeah. the X, Y, and Z. Which one do you want? Well, the, what you said is the reason why all these places, there's probably, I've said there's 80% more dealerships than there needs to be. Yes. Well, and so and I, so I think the smart dealerships, because hang on, you're going to have all these cars that I mean, electric car deliveries, right? All these electric cars, they still need battery. They still need maintenance. They still like you have, let's say you have a warranty problem with a battery. You, they're going to call they become service centers and delivery centers and maintaining centers. Mm-hmm. And you're going to order them up on an app and say, the car is going to have a self-service and say, one of your battery cells went bad. It's under warranty or whatever, or, or, or you need new tires or, or, or whatever, right? Or your, or your, your, your brakes, which lasted 80,000 miles because they're mostly right. regenerative. Uh, you do need new pads after 80,000 miles. All right. Guys come from the dealership, literally pick up your car, bring it to back to the dealership, get it done, they bring it right back, and that and that's the future. Right. So the dealerships that are smart are become fleet management companies. That's what they're really gonna become. You order your car online from Hyundai, and Hyundai will subcontract that local dealership, Maury's dealership, to be the fleet management company. Even if every single dealership converted over to not that, every single dealership is gonna survive. Even it's just if gonna they, die. If they did, if every there's just not enough work. There's Correct. not enough work. The two Correct. things that fund a dealership are sale, a service, and used cars. At finance. I think it's finance. I think finance, finance and goes, service. Fi, finance, hang on. Finance you, and used cars are the same thing. Kind of. <laughs> I mean, kind of. What I was going to say is if you want to get really granular about it, dealers just only make a couple grand 
max on a new car. Max. Right. Where they make the more money is on that financing port, right? right. That's why they want you to finance it. And they yep. love when you lease a car because now they're double dipping, yep. right? But the reality is, is that used cars, used cars for people that aren't Jake and Joel and, and Chris, they go to the they go they go to the Mannheim or they go wherever they buy this car for twenty grand, right? They put it on the lot for twenty eight grand. Yep. And now they sell it for twenty six grand. Guy that bought it for twenty six grand is like, damn, I got a steal and deal, man. I got the car for two grand off. Plus they financed it. And plus they financed it. Yeah. And dude, dealership's like, dang, man, I just made six grand plus I juiced it with some financing. Yep. But meanwhile, dude bought a new car, he would have made like two grand plus financing. So they make so much more money on used what, cars. What is the main so let's say I'm I'm None I'm, of those numbers are real. I made those numbers up. <laughs> Just say I'm Bob, okay? And I'm driving a, a 19, or I'm sorry, a 2015 whatchamacallit. Sounds Wh- fun. What is the, uh, what is encouraging me to go look and get rid of that car and buy a different car? Because now you're six years into that whatchamacallit. And it's going to break. You're going to need a timing belt pretty soon. Okay, you're so, going to need a water pump. And you see what I'm getting at, right? Are people going to start holding on to their cars way longer because they don't need as much maintenance. Are they going to, because I think that's what is the inception point for many people to get a different car is it starts making a little bit of noise, making the check engine light has been on. Maybe they've been to the shop so a couple times. I think times, it's a little early. And then they start looking. Well, so I think it's a little early to tell. There's gonna be, and there's multiple factors going to play into this, right? So what I told that guy, by the way, the Corvette dude, what I told him was is like, look, man, here are the cards you can look at right now. But if you can just wait another year or two, the amount of, I mean, literally, we're going to, in, in, in the next 36 months, 60 new electric cars on the market. It's going to be like crazy. It's, it's going to be, be like a tidal wave. Flood I'm going to be able to get cars. an e-golf for like $4, I bet. I mean, you can get a Nissan Leaf for like eight grand. I don't um, want a Leaf. I like, I kind of like the e-golf. No, the e-golf's almost, great. I kind of want but, one. But that's not the point. The point is, is that the flood of electric cars. So there's going to be multiple reasons, right? So I hear what you're saying about the dude, right? You're going to keep your car longer. So A, there's going to be natural points in your life where Oh, I bought this car and it's a small car, but now I got married. We need a little bigger car for it because we have Johnny the dog. And oh, now we do you know what? How long people keep their cars? Do you know? Average 11 and a half years in the U.S. 11 and a half years. 11 and a half years. Wow, that's a really long time. 11 and a half. Compared to me, that's a lot better. It's because you're a whore. (laughs) But, but, but here's the thing. So, so there'll be, there'll be life stages, right? Those life stages aren't going to change. Dude goes to college, dudes get married, dude has dog, dude has kids, yep. dude retires, dude buys boat. All that's there the, are life yeah. stages, you're still going to need different vehicles. Truck, SUV, car, whatever, right? Sure. So there's that. Two, cool shit. The amount of stuff that's coming out in the next three years, think about the floods coming out in the next three years. Dude, seven years from now, we're going to be in solid state batteries. Like, like, like so people Here's are going to want to continue to upgrade. Is when the electric cars aren't the future anymore, when they're just the norm. They just we're are. We're going to be there in 10 years maybe. Right now, everything is is still it's too. Still Whoa, fresh it's the shiny. future. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be here. Whoa! And like, it's just like the, your TV's exploding, and right. all this mass media is coming at you with yeah. all the future. I can't wait for that to be done because I'm so tired of it. Do you know what? We were driving down the road. This is in January. I still remember this. I told you about this. Karen and I were going to look at furniture, and she looks at me and says, "I think my next." We were driving her Grand Cherokee, by the way. It was just after I had surgery, and uh, she's like, "I think my next could be car could be electric," mm. and I was like. Why? I, like, I, like, I just want to hear her reason, right? Now, she, right. I mean, she's married to me, so she's not just some jo- normal joke consumer, right? But she, she, she's not me. Like, she's not, you know. And she said, you know what she said? If I never had to go to the gas station again, it'd be great. Right. Like, literally, she's like, come home, plug in, done. Yeah, that's... And that, it's, that, that was all, that's all, that's all she needs. It's my just, only worry, and everybody, everybody for a long time, and even me, 
was like, yeah, just going to take it away from me and never, uh, I'm going to, until I die, uh, just, you know, from my cold dead hands. And I'm starting to get to the point now where I'm, I'm saying, no one's coming for your 9-11, man. Yes, they are. In a way, they are. That car will become increasingly harder to maintain, drive, and use over that's the next 20 years. because you're not years. rich. That's right. But that's not the government's fault that you're not rich, and it's certainly not the government's fault that your parts cost a million dollars on Pelican. Well, I'm talking more about just, like, oil changes and gas and stuff like that. Here's the you thing. Know? Again, the average electric, average car on the road today in the U.S. is 11 years old, okay? We will sell ICE cars, internal combustion engine cars, for easily, easily a decade. Easily. I'm being really, really conservative right now. Easily a decade. It could be probably far longer, right? That means there'll be like gas-powered cars on the road for so... You will die before there's no more gas-powered cars on the road. It's my prediction. I'm not that old. I mean, that's, we're, that's like 30, 40 years down the road. You think some guy's still going to be driving a... Yeah. A, no, so nobody's driving Nobody's driving 30 or 40-year-old cars around now. I just told you about dude Corvette. Look at my Z, yeah, look at your 911. A, no, oh, you're, so you're talking about enthusiast cars. I'm talking gas park cars in general. No, no the general no consumer. No, hang on. The general no. consumer probably isn't going to be buying a gas park, a brand new gas park car no. in 30 years. No, but you're, but the idea that you're not going to be able to drive it on the road. Here's the thing, and there's I told you, place, there's you are going to be able to drive country clubs and it's private <laughs> that roads. Sucks. That sucks so bad. Something like this and should not be reserved for the elite. It should not be reserved for the elite. I hate that. I hate I hate when any hobby is only reserved for the lead. Everybody's like, well, you could still ride a horse. I'm like, yeah, but a horse is like a million dollars and you got to feed it hay every day. <laughs> and you got to have it into a building that's not even yours. And you can't go see it. You can go see it whenever you want, but you got to pay money. Do you and- realize, do you realize that my kids will tell their kids? Yeah. Whatever the hell I'm called. Let's just call me grandpa. Grandpa <laughs> used to drive a car and had many explosions under the <laughs> <laughs> to move like like that i mean literally we drive cars that have miniature explosions under the hood just wait till i'm 75 years old <laughs> with your driving shotgun through get off my downtown lawn. minneapolis that thing's gonna be so fucking loud it's gonna be <laughs> incredible and people are gonna turn around and they're gonna judge me and think i'm a horrible person and i'm gonna love every minute of it it's going to be phenomenal i almost want the collapse of civilization just so of, of, of the combustion engine civilization just so I can be more of a rebel. Let's do it. As long as we're not driving uh, $37 a gallon synthetic fuel from Porsche, well, it's possible. I think it'll be great. All right, so that. I want to move on. The Suez Canal is blocked. And the Suez- hang on, hang on, hang on. Are we skipping the 9-11 thing? We're skipping. Yeah, we're the skipping. The 9-11 thing, that was a perfect segue. I know, but we're skipping it. We're skipping. We're skipping the, the other... Th- so everybody knows uh, Chevy has finally tanked the real people, not actors' ads. Okay, I moving. No, I would have skipped that. I would have gone like know, 11 we, just, we just don't have time. We're, oh, just, we're just talking about it. always happens. Suez Canal is blocked, and the Suez Canal is um, it's a little sliver of water in between uh, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, and Jordan, and it basically connects the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, and it is a big shipping channel. It is the biggest maritime, other, I think maybe the Panama Canal might be more, but it's one of the biggest maritime channels uh, 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 canals in the world big deal and there's been a ship that is basically austin powered itself in the canal for at least it's been about a day and a half now it's a huge ship if you've seen photos it I mean, i've seen massive. photos we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about how big it is every day some 50 ships pass through the suez canal the waterway slash between the mediterranean and the red sea these are big ships some 10 percent of the world's maritime trade traverses the suez that's a lot 10 percent 
That's because a ship called the Ever Given, which is a great name, uh, en route to Rotterdam from China is wedged between the canal's sandy banks. The vessel, operated by who cares, is one of the biggest in the world as long as four football fields. I do the math. It's a quarter mile long, this ship. It is literally a quarter mile long. It's 60 meters wide. It is 200,000 tons of containers on its uh, on the deck. Friggin' nuts. It's massive. It is absolutely massive. Uh, it might be there a while. It's not easy to unstick a gigantic shipping vessel, experts say. The Suez Canal Authority, the Egyptian, Egyptian-owned body that owns and operates the canal, has not yet said when it expects traffic to resume. The ship's technical manager, manager said Wednesday, strong winds had pushed the ship perpendicular to the canal's banks. And I looked it up. Okay, so... Yeah, so I'm, I'm reading the notes here. I'm a little confused. <laughs> okay, so if you look at just just like planes, you can see like all the things you can. They fly, the right, transponders right, I saw, on I've the planes. Yeah, they they fly around. Yeah, this ship drew a giant dick on the water. Like you can trace its route, and it looks like a penis. And then it crashes into the wall of the canal. I don't understand what happened. This is a lie. It's a lie because I looked at the weather data. I'm like, all right, what kind of gust of wind would it take the strongest gust of wind would have been seven miles per hour at this time there's no way that a seven mile per hour wind austin powered this thing in the canal it's not possible so then i did a little bit of digging around and someone had a tweet that said he was on the ship and it lost power and then veered off into the thing into the edge of the canal and literally buried itself in there and there's this picture of an excavator <laughs> Like right next to the ship like at the edge little, of the water. It's so thing. small. It looks like a Hot Wheels. It's so, <laughs> so, so small. Um, uh, official reports outlining the causes of the incident likely won't be available for weeks, perhaps even a year. Well, we did know it drew a penis in the water before it crashed. But BSM says no one was hurt. That's which the is important not, story. That's, well, other than all the people that are going to lose their job. Photos <laughs> from the scene show the Evergiven's bow wedged into the sand uh, while an excavator dwarfed by the container ship towering above it attempts to dig it out. The rescue of the Evergiven was will likely include more motors. So I looked at the map. You can see all the ships that are around there. There's at least 20 tugboats that were pulling on this thing. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Literally nothing happened. Um, it, they might try cranes. They're going to maybe dredge it out. In the meantime, crews are watching for cracks in the ship's hull, which can happen when the ship rubs up against or is punctured by rocks. Attempts to free the ship could also damage it. And this is a really dumb quote. This is how you know the media is just absolutely just stupid. The ship is designed to be floating in water, not on land. So different pressure points on different parts of the vessel could damage the bow. Um, the incident could raise new questions about the container shipping industry, which moves 90% of the world's goods. 90 percent in increasingly gigantic ships so i just want everyone to remember we've talked about this a little bit before i don't want to get into it too much these things carry 1.5 million to 2 million gallons of bunker fuel which is fuel oil which is the lowest grade of fuel it is the most polluting fuel it is worse than diesel oil it is the distillate uh of diesel fuel it's awful these things burn 60 to 75,000 gallons of fuel a day yeah, but you got to get day. your Peloton across the U.S. Somehow, the ocean somehow. They're flying them on planes now. I know, because they can't build them fast enough. They just bought pre-course so they could have U.S. manufacturing. They are throwing containers over the into the ocean now because there's like a shipping container shortage. So they just have these really shitty containers. When they're empty, they just throw them in the ocean. This entire industry 
is Dude, we a joke. are so screwed as a freaking human race. It's awful. We're 60, so screwed. So they're doing all this. Meanwhile, California's like, well, we better have electric cars by 2035 <laughs> or everybody's going to die. As They're probably posting that on Twitter while they get their Amazon package out of their From the mailbox. container? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I wanted to just give you an impression of how much this is costing. So 10% of the, of the world's seaborne oil goes through the Suez Canal, 10%, which is a lot of oil. And there's also a, uh, um, I forget what it's called. There's, a, there's a, a pipeline too, like on each side of the canal. So the ships pull up, they fill up, they go onto the pipeline, they fill up the containers and the pipe goes onto the other side, on the other side of the, the earth or the isthmus or whatever. And then the ship picks it up and takes it away. So those are the two things that are there and they're both inaccessible. So 10% of the seaborne oil in the world is fucked. So gas prices are likely gonna go up. Um, but there's also the cost to the person that runs the canal. And just to give you an impression of how much money is being lost, in 2008, the total revenue and tolls was $5 billion for the uh, passage of 21,000 vessels, resulting in an average That's a of- million. Yeah, but it's 5,381 million, which is 5 billion, 381,000, $381,900,000. I'm reading notes. Yeah, for the passage of total of 21,000 vessels. The result is an average of 251,000 uh, per vessel. So so you're saying they're losing 12,500,000 per day. Per day. That's what they're losing. And I did some Think math. Think how much synthetic Porsche fuel you could buy. I know. It'd be crazy. So I did some math on the shipping question based on its draft, which is how much water right, right. it displaces. The Ever Given, based on its size, because it's one of the biggest container ships that exists, it's toll just to go. You think driving around the Kansas Turnpike is bad? The toll on this thing is $800,000 just to get through the Suez Canal. Well, just imagine the fine they're going to get. <laughs> it is gonna yeah just yeah sorry i wonder if they're putting like little red tickets like oh you can't park here you've ticket. got you've got to move your vehicle <laughs> a million right. dollars a minute a website has offered a thousand dollars if you will watch all 24 james bond films who are you my name is pussy galore i must be dreaming <laughs> <laughs> this is a great scene where Pussy Galore wakes up James Bond, and that's her name, and he's like, I must be dreaming. A culture website is offering $1,000 for James Bond fan to watch all 24 films in this 007 franchise to celebrate the upcoming release of No Time to Die. Nerdbear.com, a nerd culture website, said it is seeking someone to watch all 24 James Bond films from 1962's Dr. No to 2015's Spectre. Prior to September 30th, the chosen candidate will receive $1,000 uh, and a $100 Amazon gift card. Uh, what's what's sad, and I was thinking about this, is that it costs $50. You need a $50 Minimum. gift card to go see Minimum. a movie. Dude, the tickets for you and Jesse, plus popcorn, plus an icy, plus some candy from Sour Patch Kids. I mean, that's a $75 date night. It's absolutely insane. It's crazy. So I did a little bit of math on this, too. I was just wondering how much this would be worth. The guy's only going to make $24 an hour doing this which is not very good plus they said they could space it out over the course of a month it's not like they're forcing the guy to like hold his pee and watch all the 007 films a Fayetteville man has said his last paycheck from his former employee came in the form of 90,000 90, oil-covered pennies dumped on his driveway. Andreas Flynn said he left his job at AOK Walker Auto Works in November of 2020 he said he was supposed to get his final paycheck but was having difficulty getting it Flatten said he flattened said he even contacted the Georgia Department of Labor to get help in mid-March said he finally received the $915 he was owed but it was not in the form he was expecting 
Flatten said he was leaving his home to go to the store when he noticed the pile of oil-covered pennies. He said on top of the pile was an envelope that said, fuck you, and contained his last pay stub. This is a childish thing to do. The pennies now sit in a wheelbarrow inside his garage. The weight of the pennies has deflated the tires of the wheelbarrow. If I've done my math correctly, 91,000 pennies should come out to be about 500 pounds, Flatten said. He said his new routine is to now sit in his garage at night and clean off the pennies with a solution of dish soap, vinegar, and water. Even with the solution, it's hard to get the pennies clean. He but said his main took- concern... <laughs> Wait for it. He said it took him about an hour to clean off several hundred. He said he's concerned the oil or grease will be harmful to the environment. He must be a Californian, huh? Oh, this, where is this? This is Atlanta. He has fruit trees in his backyard and a freshwater creek just 100 feet away. Fox 5 did speak with the owner of the business over the phone. I don't know if I did that or not. I don't really remember. Don't know. He got paid. That's all that matters. He's a f-ing weenie for even bringing it up. You guys are what's wrong with the world. Get the f- off my property. Okay? This guy sounds like a really... He sounds like a great I mean, guy to work yeah, for. Hey, <laughs> get the beep f- off my property. He got paid. So I've heard of this before many times of people just getting paid with cash or just paid with pennies, but to dump a bunch of oil all over it. That's, so you can't that's even a take special kind of... That's, that's a special kind of jerk. It's 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 really, really special. So, Fetter, thanks, for, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for inviting it's me. It's been good. It's been nice to it's see you. It's been real. I'm, I'm glad to know that I'm one of the few people you've seen. You are one of the very few people you see, I've seen since surgery very, other than my physical therapist. It's very, very romantic. I, I really appreciate you coming in. We have a table between us, just so everyone's clear. Oh, yeah. We're at least six we're, feet away. We're, we're, we're distancing. We're distance. We're distance for sure. All right, guys. I want to remind everybody to uh, follow the podcast, subscribe, leave a five-star review if you could. That would really help us out. Until next time, Fetter, it was great having you here. I'll be back. All right. Take care, guys. <laughs>